This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by Fish Flight Entertainment. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart to the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I am your host, Sabrina Furminger. And I'm going to begin this episode by reading an excerpt of an article that I wrote for the Vancouver Courier in July 2019, because in my oh-so-humble opinion, I believe it sums up what I want you to know about Gigi Saw Guerrero. Oh, crap. Did I pronounce your last name correctly? Girl, you've done good. (laughs) And I've heard it. I've heard it in all kinds of versions. Guerrero. That's a good, you know... Eight out of ten. Uh, yeah. Eight out of... Wow. Guerrero. Okay. <laughs> Guerrero. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> Gigi Saw Guerrero read the original script for Culture Shock and told the studio it wasn't Mexican enough and it needed to be. It was a bold move for Guerrero, at the time an emerging Vancouver filmmaker who'd recently signed with an American agent and was in the midst of her first negotiation with a big deal Hollywood production house, in this case, Bloomhouse, who was producing an anthology series of feature-length horror films for Hulu and was on the hunt for directors. One of Bloomhouse's scripts, then titled The Crossing and ultimately titled Culture Shock, dealt with the mistreatment of migrants at the Mexico-United States border. It's a topic that Guerrero, I hope I'm saying it right, a Mexican immigrant to Canada, had dealt with in her 2014 critically acclaimed grindhouse short film El Gigante. This previous experience piqued Bloomhouse's interest, and after they screened El Gigante, they sent Guerrero the script so that she could pinch them on it. Now, now I'm doing your voice, but I'm not going to do an accent. I read it, and while I knew deep in my heart that this was the movie I had to make my, for my first feature, it was lacking a lot of authenticity, says Guerrero. It was lacking strong Mexican characters. Guerrero wanted to direct culture shock enough to take the biggest risk of her career, criticize the creative before she had the job. Okay, excerpt over. Gigi took that risk, criticized the creative, and the rest is history. Culture Shock premiered last July 4th on Hulu. It stars Martha Higuerera as Marisol, a young Mexican woman in pursuit of the American dream who crosses illegally into the United States only to find herself in an American nightmare. It's a hit. People love Culture Shock and they love Gigi. I love Gigi, her work ethic and her work and her energy and her enthusiasm for our indie film scene. And it grinds my gears. Now that I sound 90 years old, but it grinds my gears that Gigi had to leave Vancouver to get the work and the accolades that she deserves. I'm glad she did, but it still grinds my gears. Today, we're going to dive into the hows and what's and whys of Gigi Saw Guerrero, 
We're going to talk about culture shock. We're going to talk about the horror industry and the current reckoning that is taking place therein that you might have heard about. We're going to play a spirited round of favorite things. And we're going to talk about where Gigi is going to take us all next. Gigi Salguerero, welcome Amiga. to the Wide Mirror Screen Scene <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> How are you? Well, thank you for that intro. You, you made me sound like super epic. You, I almost wish you had like gladiator music behind you, like bop, don't, don't, don't. Like, okay, thank you. Uh, I'm gonna ask my editor to add that in post. Um, <laughs> for, I'm gonna ask you the question that I've been asking everyone during the core, during the quarantine, during COVID 19. Yeah. How, how are you doing? Girl, I think I'm doing okay. <laughs> no, I'm good. You know, I I'm super, super, super lucky that I got to, you know, be on lockdown with my family. Yeah. I think I have literally made up all the time that I was away last year uh, filming so much that I barely saw my family. So this really made up all that time that we missed together. I Your mean, family looks so awesome. <laughs> I So I don't know, and I didn't mention this in the intro, and I should have, but um, I've fallen in love with your family through your TikTok videos. Like, you've been getting super into TikTok. Uh, and you're, I was not aware that your sister is this incredible like opera superstar because you were your family was on the news recently because your sister gave like an opera concert on the on the front lawn for all the neighbors I mean my god what an epic family thank you so much (laughs) yeah no this is a definitely a house full of music and art here so it it really has been incredible and I think you know that idea that my sister has thought of to put a concert for the neighbors was really during the time that a lot of people just were so down and confused during the pandemic. And it really brought a lot of smiles together. And it was wonderful. Like, I loved it. I mean, don't get me wrong, though. We are still very Latino, very Mexican. So this house is loud, girl. Like, I'm talking, like, loud. (laughs) And the lack of, you know, privacy. At times it gets a little frustrating. But, oh, man, I... I do feel very lucky that that I'm with my family during all this. Yeah, for sure. now I I know though that before the core, you were like leveling up. You were like to yet another stage. You were going to be working on a feature film up here in That's Vancouver, right. right? So, what would you, not to bring the sadness, but what would you have been doing right now? Had the COVID-19 not derailed all your plans? 100%. No, we would have had a film shot. Literally, we, uh, I, I believe the moment it was said, you know, lockdown, I think we would have been a couple weeks in of yeah. filming. And to get back to something like that, who girl, who child, <laughs> like they say, right? Like I, <laughs> that would have been a nightmare. And, you know, the kind of movie we were making it would have been such a stressful thing to get back to because we actually, uh, we were going to put away 10 families that we were um, basically using all these homes of 10 families, this entire cul-de-sac. Now imagine coming back to something like that halfway. No, like, (laughs) oh, my heart's pounding. Like I can only imagine that stress. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully 
that movie 1031 can get back on its feet and uh you know i'm still very close with producer eli roth who's a mm-hmm. great friend and we talk all the time we were in a way we're both like oh we dodged the bullet <laughs> you know? so uh you know hopefully we get back to that film but if not that's okay because i find during this pandemic during this lockdown especially studios in Hollywood and everywhere, everybody has gotten back to the mindset of development. Mm. And that doesn't happen enough because everybody's always in such a rush to just pump out stuff. And they forget to develop a lot of projects. A lot of stuff is put in the back burner. Yeah. So during these two, three months we've been at this, I have been able to bring back up past projects that uh, you know, I couldn't talk to the studio about because of how busy they are. Yeah. And now everybody wants creativity, wants new content. Uh, like, I think everybody has watched everything on Amazon and Netflix. By yeah, now. <laughs> I've gotten to the end of every streaming service. <laughs> there like, you go. I'm exactly. at the end. I need I need more. I love your I love your point of view as well. Um, and I and I didn't mention it in the intro, uh, but you're I mean, you're also an actress and you're also a voice actress. And I know that you've been working, you know, in that realm. I mean, I'm literally speaking to you. You are in such a nice I can see through my Skype camera. You're in a beautiful <laughs> little booth that you've created in your house. So well, you're, I mean, the great project during during the, the lockdown like this was our quarantine project and. You know, my best friend and producer, Rainer Shima of mm. Luchador Productions, I just asked him one day and I said, hey, man, like, could you help me, you know, put some curtains up in my closet? That was all I needed. <laughs> he was like, oh, no, no, we're going big or or we're not doing this at all. And he helped me. He basically designed this booth and was like, we can do this for cheap and we can just basically make a hole in the wall. Yeah. And I remember my mom's reaction. She came down to the basement where we have the office. And yeah, sure enough, <laughs> there was a massive hole in the wall. And my mom's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, Ma, I, prom- I promise you, mom, it's going to pay off. It's going to pay off. And like three weeks passed by and my mom was like, no, why? Until, you know, we had to show her, look, it worked out. But yeah, I think voiceover right now, you know, everybody's really into podcasts. Animation is still going Everybody on. Everybody has games. a podcast. Everybody yeah. has a podcast. <laughs> it's true. I, I, I had a podcast, okay? And I'm still <laughs> podcasting, but everybody else has one now. You're still number one, baby. You're uh, still number one. I just want to be number one for you, Gigi. Thank um, you. <laughs> Okay, can we go back in time then? We're talking a lot about this present moment, and we will. There's mm-hmm. a lot to talk about. But I do want to talk about culture shock and yeah. uh, and the kind of the cliffhanger that I left all of my listeners about the problem that you had with the creative, that the characters and what you were reading were not Mexican enough. So yeah. tell me about, let's go back in time. We're going to do an I, assuming this is an acting exercise, we're going to go back in time <laughs> to you reading this and saying, oh, no, 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 oh, so t- t- take me back to that moment. No, for sure. Look, it, it was a moment that I'm super thankful and blessed for. Um, you know, I do think the writers 
did an incredible job to bring up such a social commentary in the genre space. The genre space is the best place to talk about all our shit and problems, you yeah. know? And oh, and there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the best genre, I think, that you can uh, have such a powerful message and really twist it, turn it, exaggerate it as big as you want. Mm-hmm. I think movies like Get Out are so incredible because of the genre, right? Yeah. But, you know... I feel really lucky this opportunity got presented to me by my agents who I recently got right there and then. This was the first script I had to read. Hmm. And, you know, coming from a place that I didn't really know how how honest you're supposed to be because, you know, I'm a hungry filmmaker. I don't want to ruin my chance. Yeah. So it was a, a process that, you know, and this is something any film aspiring filmmakers listening, this was a mistake I did uh, that I hope we, I definitely learned from and I hope you take into account. I had to pitch for this project three, four times and it took me to the very end to be honest. Mm. It took me to the last second to actually say this project needs a lot of work in the sense of more authenticity. I just wanted the project, but I never was honest about it in in my pitching. I would just talk about visual references or <laughs> how I would shoot this yeah. rather than I want to bring this to the table and I want to change it to this. I never did. And it was killing me. And I think us artists are so passionate and honest with ourselves. It was killing me. It was killing me, and I should have never done that. But how incredible that Blumhouse really noticed I had something to say. And on the last time we met, uh, they said, well, what do you think? What do you really think? And I felt my heart like, dun, 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 and yeah. I just like, blah. I just said everything I needed to say. However, it's not, it's not saying it in the way of like, I hate this, I hate this. Not at all. I love it because I want to do it and change it to this. Mm. And um, and they heard me. And I think it's it's definitely, when you look at a script, and I when I looked at Culture Shock, you bring as a director your own sensibilities to it. Yeah. And I definitely felt uh, as a Latinx director, moving from Mexico City to Canada, I know what that's like. And I've seen it in my... In my family, uh, who, who we do have some that have crossed illegally to yeah. the States, there was so much to tell. And also, I was coming from a place of anger and frustration with what's going on in the States. I felt this is the time to take responsibility and help in any way, shape, or form to bring more awareness of the border crisis. Yeah. And I thought, this is, this. you know, I, I really felt that God spoke to me that moment. This is the movie you got to make. You have to make this movie. And Mm. I didn't want to be at all reserved. I wanted to be so unapologetic. And and yeah, I mean, it did go that way. I got a lot of Trump supporters hating on me when that movie came out. But at the same time, I was like, awesome, because the message was right in their face. And and I said that to to the studio from the start. I said, I'm not going to back down. And we have to make this as Mexican as possible yeah. from the very second, all the way, you know, the journey all the way to post-production. Um, yeah. You know, like in any studio process, you have to ugh, keep grinding to prove your point. It's going to happen. That's normal. That's very normal. Like, yeah. I'm not going to complain. But in my case, 
I felt that I really had to push a lot of stuff to make it that that product. Even to the very end of the movie, there's this news anchor that makes fun of Trump uh, at the very end. She says, the president's 25th tweet of the day and, and makes fun of him. Even to that, to that thing that we uh, that I wrote was really tough to convince we have to do this. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of fear uh, to, to make things so relevant. I think... It's not that, oh, Gigi, it's a bad idea or, oh, Gigi, we don't trust you. I think it's just fear that you have to p keep pushing. Um, and definitely with Culture Shock, I I did not want to back down, girl. Like, we had oh, to go full. And so glad you didn't. I'm so yeah. glad you didn't. Thank so you. So how... And plus, I'm such a Barbara Crampton fan as well. Oh, from her great. horror work, but also... I grew up watching daytime. I watched her on soap operas, you know, like she's such a remarkable she's actress. Incredible. She can do anything and everything. Um, but how do you think the experience of making culture shock, not just speaking your your truth and getting mm -hmm. the job, but then actually doing doing the work, being on oh, set, yes. leading it through post. How how did that change you as a filmmaker? so much uh, you know again I had to leave Vancouver to make this movie and I went straight it, I went straight into prep I didn't know anybody and it was a uh, eye-opening of just more like a wake-up call for me being like you gotta bring it yeah. I gotta stay alert also you, I gotta get people to trust me to want to work with me and I think a movie like this I could tell from the crew to the cast everybody felt that energy of we're telling something really important mm. and even the cast I mean they they were Mexican and it came to a point maybe by day three we us the cast were speaking so personal to each other in Spanish that mm. I started directing them in Spanish and then I would turn around to the crew and be like oh yes uh, we're gonna do this this that <laughs> But all that intimacy to be to be said in Spanish, and we had such an intense bilingual set hmm. that it that changed me. I that's never happened to me ever, ever, yeah. ever, ever, and it never felt that we had our own clique. It never felt that we were excluding anybody. Everybody knew exactly what we were making here, and even at times uh, shooting some of the really tough scenes. Like with the cartel, uh, even, you know, not to ruin anything at the end, but when one of our beloved characters dies, um, yeah. you know, shooting a lot of these scenes, you can tell in everybody the energy was tense because we were telling something pretty, pretty deep and pretty important. But it was beautiful and it just really changed me in the sense like, wow. I felt so trusted and welcomed here and Blumhouse really gave me such a beautiful crew to mm. make this. Um, uh, you know, they uh, they were, the, my execs were actually on set only one time for mm. half hour. <laughs> That's oh. never happened to me before. <laughs> they were like, this is amazing, you keep going. And it was just that trust that uh, I couldn't be more thankful for. I love for sure. that. It also makes me angry because, you know, as somebody, 
me, who is ride or die for the Vancouver film and television industry. You know, I want us to do that for you up here. You know, it, it, as I said, it grinds my gears that you had to leave Vancouver to have an experience, you know? Mm -hmm. So tell me about like, what is it about Vancouver that made you had to leave in order to make the, make films? No, for sure. I mean, uh, as many know, listening, I have my production company with, um, you know, my team called Luchagor Productions. And we've been making Halloween commercials, tons of shorts, very successful shorts, actually. Um, one of them's on Shudder right now and another on Netflix. Oh, great. We'll so put we, links to everything in the footnotes perfect. for this perfect. episode. But yeah, we, we've came to the point where I think I directed uh, maybe 16 to 18 shorts in a matter of years. And it was really hard for us to get recognition, even in local, you know, awards like the Leos. Yeah. <laughs> Our genre work was never considered in, in, in some of those times. And it was, I kept questioning myself, is it? because it's genre work? Is it because it's so niche or is it because it's got Latino flavor? I couldn't understand. And I always knew the quality of work we were putting out was very good. Mm. And during that time, we just kept doing business outside of Canada. We were the first filmmakers on Eli Roth's Crypt TV, for example. We just kept making stuff that was not for Vancouver, Mm. uh, which was somewhat interesting and frustrating. <laughs> uh, you say interesting, you know? I say fucked up. I think that is yeah, fucked up. It's <laughs> it fucked is. up. You can swear on this podcast. Beautiful. Yeah. And what's even more fucked up? Oh, before- oh I've unleashed <laughs> oh, her now. Oh, No. So, yo, just before I, I left, actually, just before I left, I think it was the beginning of that year, um... Uh, yeah, so around beginning of 2018, I remember talking to Rainer, again, my producer, and I said, dude, I got to do something, man. I don't know what we're doing wrong. I don't know, you know, even telefilm back and forth, uh, you know, festivals like at Fantasia, we were doing the market, great stuff like that, but nothing was going through and I could not understand why. What are we doing wrong? Yeah. And also, plus not really getting the right advice or feedback. So, you know, (laughs) believe it or not, again, just before I left, this is really messed up. I, and there's not many in Vancouver, I approached and knocked on the door to the literary agents here. I -hmm. said, I think that's what I need, agents. That's what I need. I'm going to get an agent, work on TV shows here in Vancouver, and we're good to go. I got a huge body of work. Yeah. I got rejected, completely rejected and ghosted without even being told what I need to do better. Hmm. Again, not many to point a finger at here. We don't have many here in Vancouver. So it was really unfortunate. Uh, You know, I felt like, again, I was asking myself, is it my Latinx content? Is it my niche? What is it? My work is good. And the only place that my work was getting any kind of recognition and good recognition was, again, outside of Vancouver yeah um that's how I got my manager that's how months later I got my awesome agents from LA I got now and you know it's it's really frustrating to be fully fully honest because I think Vancouver has such 
such an amazing uh, community of filmmakers that we should be working more together. Man, and we don't do that enough. And I see people, you know, I graduated with Joel McCarthy, for example, who's one of my best friends. He is constantly pretty much shoving in our face, let's work together. Let's recognize this people. Look, a festival for us. Look this, look that. That activity, for some reason, I don't see it enough in this city. Yeah. And we got all the opportunities we could ask for here. We're Hollywood North. Yeah. So why not? Why? It's, it's yeah, it's incredibly mind-blowing. Have you noticed that the, let's call them the establishment, the Vancouver Film and TV establishment, that monolith, okay. <laughs> had, now that you have had success, South yes. of the border. Are, do you find it's that you're changed. being treated differently? Okay, so tell 100%. me how. 100%. Yeah. 100% being treated like very seriously now. Yeah. <laughs> being treated, uh, and again, like I still act. And a lot of people on the set know me now or say they, they, they remember me from school or, oh, we worked together once. Oh, well, you've ignored me every single time. You know, a, a story to share as soon as, and I have no shame in sharing this, but as soon as um, the film I was going to shoot here with Eli Roth, you know, shut down and pandemic and all that, I get a message from the agent that rejected me saying, well, would you like to, you know, me to represent you to work on Hallmark films? And I said, nothing. I No, thank you. You, you, <laughs> you said no to me at the time, you know, and, uh, and I'm doing much bigger, much bigger work than a yeah. Hallmark film. And is that you know, satisfying so, or is that sad? Like, or is it, it like a, like, does it make I, you angry? Because I'm feeling kind of ragey. I hear that. It makes me ragey. Yeah, it's, it's a mix of emotions because I feel my point was proven. Hmm. So in a way, I don't want to, uh, it's hard to say, like, I don't want to say satisfying, but it is eye rolling in a way of like, there we go. That, yeah. That's what I've been talking about. Sometimes and, loving this local industry means that you are going to be rolling your eyes a lot or hitting your head <laughs> against the wall. I like I have a permanent industry, bump yeah. on my head from it. <laughs> from I think that's <laughs> definitely, I mean, what we will, it's a tough industry, man. It's, it's definitely very competitive, tough. There's, uh, again, we're passionate artists, so this is the kind of industry we will always bump our head. However, there is so much room to change. And and when we do find those creatives that we're like, wow, that's the people I want to work with. Yeah. We gravitate to that because it's it's so rewarding. It, it, the most rewarding thing when you get that project done and it's being received, it's like nothing else mattered. You know, yeah. it's such a intense obstacle that no matter all these crazy things we go through, um, you know, it's very rewarding at the end of the day. Yeah. Okay. We've been talking about getting the work and we've been talking about how the work is received. Let's talk about the content. What <laughs> is a Gigi Saguerero film? Like, tell me what needs to be present in an idea in order to get you epically yeah. excited. Oh, of course. Doing a lot well, of hand gestures, but like, no, you, I love it. <laughs> See, you're you got Latino inside you because we talk with our hands. I'm well. My, my dad's from <laughs> India, so Indians oh, are okay, perfect. Oh, Indian, <laughs> total yeah, hand talkers. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! Def, oh my gosh! <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes, definitely. Um, 
No, well, a lot of people recognize my signature work because it's not it's not just gory in your face and not just gritty, raw and very, very colorful and visceral. But definitely a Gigi film has incredibly rich characters. Mm. A Gigi film definitely has uh, an unapologetic story to tell uh, and definitely will entertain you in the sense that you're you're going to have a really good time, but I'm going to want you to think about it when we're all done. Yeah, That's the stuff I really like, and it doesn't have to be horror. I mean, I, I always tell people, and they're surprised, that my favorite film and the movie that told me or that made me think I'm going to go to film school was Children of Men. One of the most serious, like, like huh. gut-wrenching films I've ever seen in my life yeah. uh, that just spoke to me. Humanity is is brutal. Uh, yeah. I've never had seen anything like that. Yeah, not and horror. It is terrifying horror. in its terrifying. own way. In its own way, for yeah. sure. And and huh. my taste just kind of went all around in just the violent uh, movies. Uh, you know, from Eastern Promises <gasps> to even just whoa, watching whoa, Goodfellas. Whoa, 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 gee, gee, Eastern oh, yeah. Promises, Vigo Mortensen. Oh, girl, we talked about it. Oh, the scene in the back, in the, when he's all naked and the fighting. The knife, the Ugh. knife fight. I actually, Delicious. I actually show that scene. I, I teach directing at Vancouver Film School. Yeah. And I show that scene uh, in my suspense class. <laughs> and yes. I give a warning and I do always say, he is really hot, but this is not why we're watching this scene. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Every single time. Uh, hey, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. He's very hot. You gotta give disclaimers every time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but but wow. yeah, I mean, I would love, you know, the, the portfolio of Gigi's work to move on to stuff like that at one point in time. I, I would just be so happy to make the next Joker, you know, like those movies that are telling us such a truth. Yeah. Uh, but man, you just like feel pain after watching them. That's yeah. my, that's my ultimate favorite. Yeah. <laughs> she's saying that. I'm going to tell the audience with the biggest smile on her face as she's <laughs> saying like, I want pain. <laughs> Listen, I've, I thought, cause I've, I recoil, I think from, I've recoiled from quote unquote horror films. Uh, but then I have learned in the last, you know, five years that a lot through your work and a lot of from the other stuff that I'm watching locally, that horror is not necessarily what I thought it was. It not doesn't necessarily yeah. have to like traumatize me, but yeah. to make me feel like really deep things. And it can be empowering for women. Like I was thinking about Karen Lamb's Evangeline. That is yes. a woman driven horror film that I even culture shock, you know, like it's a it's a pain. Yeah, I felt the pain, but, you know, like it's also very empowering. Yes, exactly. And again, like how cool we can do that in the horror space. Yeah. You know, like to me, it's like that's why it's endless storytelling in genre. It's it's awesome. Um you know how to do a segue. I want to talk about the horror space and specifically the horror scene, which admittedly, I don't know a lot about the behind the, you know, behind the scenes politics. Although 
I've definitely been hearing things through the years, specifically mm-hmm. about about uh, different personalities up here. Um, and some of the things that I've read recently that you've retweeted, uh, different articles and statements, um, have made me very sad and very angry, you know, mm-hmm. about sexual violence in the industry and about complicity by multiple people in the industry um, and about, like, bullying behavior, you know, yeah. so I guess like my questions are like, well, one, is the horror industry safe for women specifically? And two, what do you think needs to happen in order for things to be safer and for conditions to improve so that, you know, you can you can put the creativity out into the world without inflicting pain on each other? No, of course. No. Well said. I mean, that question is so important. Interesting enough. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I did a panel specifically about this with Barbara Crampton for the <laughs> Ch- Chattanooga Festival. And this was exactly the question. Are we safe on set? Are our sets safe? What can we do better? Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I brought up and I, I actually got quoted on Twitter was it it's not coming just one way. The problem it's it's sometimes also both that people also don't even know what harassment means. Hmm. People don't even know what that means. And we're letting a lot of stuff get by without even understanding what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, same goes for bullying, and, e- and it even gets worse, as you saw in those articles from <laughs> sexual harassment. And, uh, and heck, uh, our world right now with Black Lives Matter, a lot of the stuff, we are in such a... Um, adrenaline rush of so much dark history that needs to be brought to light Mm. that needs to be talked about so i i find in in the horror space we've been uh and that's why i've been tweeting it we've been pretending we're okay yeah we've been pretending we are the best community we are the most passionate and most supportive fans and we are the best family when it comes to film And, and no it's not true it's not true. And it came to a point that I had to ask myself, why am I also in that bubble of pretending? Mm. Myself, Gigi, I have been pretending for the last two years. We are okay. And, uh, and by that, I mean, because I too have been bullied. I too have been harassed and I too have been uh, wrongly talked about online. Yeah. And unfortunately, it has come from filmmakers that we we look as or, or we admire as pillars and examples of what our community should be about. Yeah. That's why I just kind of had to speak up a bit. Um, I think it was such an alarming article uh, about Mr. Donahue uh, of what he did. And this was someone we all knew. Yeah. Damn. Like it's, yeah. I'm going to yeah. put a link to the article in the footnotes um, as well. And the thing that really struck me is the mm-hmm. fact that like one of the incidents of harassment was caught on tape or on quote unquote on oh. tape. It was on a phone. There was a yeah. recording that people were listening to that people knew about. And despite the fact that they were hearing it because of. Mm-hmm. You know, the, maybe the kind of stuff that allowed Harvey Weinstein to go for so long, you know, exactly. the behavior was allowed to continue, you know. Um, but do you think now, you know, like, where can we go from this moment then with all the voices speaking out? Like, yes. is this what it's going to take 
to make it a safer place? Is it the first step in a series of actions? Like, what would you like to see happen? I think right now I accept that we, to be a better community, we together have to listen. Yeah. I think it's important that we do go through this grueling pain because a lot of uh, dirt needs to be cleaned out. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think we do have to go through this. I am also a firm believer, and as many have seen me online, I don't need to drag people's name under the mud to prove my point. Uh, you know, something my mom taught me. She was like, no, 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 you don't need to speak. You don't need to post. You don't need to shame. Truth comes out on its own. Hmm. And and I've been proven that excellently, truly, uh, in these in these years. Uh, just focus on your work because that energy, that mindset to your work is what's gonna make you shine. Like, not not I, I don't believe in putting my energy to bring others down, even though the bullying towards me was wrong. Yeah. Um. You know, I, I do think we have to go through this. I I do think that. The more people are listening to the problems around us, I think that's why all these incredible, incredible organizations like Me Too, Time's Up, Black Lives Matter did that. Yeah. We had to go through that grueling pain in order to listen. So if our core community, though we're small, sure, we we still matter, I guess you could say. We still yeah. have to go through it. Um so because I mean, it can be better. I mean, that's what we're learning. Be it can we, be better. We have to. We have to do it because, uh, man, we got movies to make. We got work yeah. to do. But, um, <laughs> but I, I didn't want to sit back and pretend uh, everything's okay yeah. anymore, um, because I, I'm not the only one. Uh, you know, for example, I think coming from my background of being Latinx. Uh, being female, minority in the industry, I don't want to use that card to my advantage to speak up. No, I'm a human being at the end of the day. And unfortunately, the the people who have wronged me, ah, it pains me to say they're women. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so it goes both ways. And that was, you know, what Barbara Crampton and I and, and the other great panelists, we were talking about that in order to feel more safe, we got to do our due diligence to work even further for the protection of everybody else, which means really, really go hard with reference checks to begin with. Mm. Really force people to read the the union rules. Really, you know, yeah. it's you go to a set and you get this little package and okay, sign here and nobody ever uh, forces you. Did you read the rules? Yeah. Did you? No, because uh, everybody, it's easy to just move on. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, it's very easy because. Like I said way earlier in in our interview here, everybody's in a rush. Everybody, let's just just let's film. Let's just make the money. Let's just put the content out. Yeah. Uh, without forgetting what that this is a team collaboration. So we we gotta take that time to triple check everything. And even if it goes down as little as reference checks, as little as making sure everybody read the rules and regulations of the code of conduct. That's a start. I mean, yeah. it's hard to say how are we going to fix this. We got to start by listening. Yeah. First step. And I think our community really is right now. Yeah. It's been quite a intense uh, uh, Twitter and, and just posts and everything lately. It's been pretty intense. Pretty intense. A real yeah. reckoning. That's why I used, to use, yeah. why I used the word reckoning before. Okay. 
We are, we have arrived at the favorite things part of the episode. Totally. I mean, um, we're not going to put a background sound effect for that. We just will enjoy the noise that you just made. That was great. Okay, so favorite things. These are questions that were developed by an expert panel of one, my nine-year-old daughter. These are questions that she feels really show us who the guest is, like on a deep visceral level. So you ready for favorite things? I'm super ready. (laughs) Listen to you. Okay. What is your favorite song? (gasps) I love Thriller by Michael Jackson. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. What is your favorite way to spend a lazy Sunday in Vancouver? Ooh, child. Open that pantry, (laughs) grab that mezcal, because you're not going to find it in any restaurant here. (laughs) What is your favorite junk food? Chips. A hundred percent chips. I will finish that whole bag. Yeah. It is my kryptonite. What, what specific? Jalapeno, Jalapeno, baby. Yeah. Jalapeno. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I do got to admit, the stereotype is real. Hot Cheetos does make Mexicans go crazy. Okay. So it's a tie. <laughs> I'll make sure that next time I see you in person, I will have some of those on my person. Yes. Okay, who is your favorite superhero? Oh, I would definitely say my favorite superhero is El Santo, El Luchador. Ah, of course, of course. Of course. Okay. I I gotta love him. Who is your favorite (laughs) supervillain? Oh, that's a good one. Oh, girl. I'm gonna, (laughs) my brain hurts. I know. These These are tough questions. Favorite villain. Like just any villain of any villain. Of Is any that, villain. I mean, okay, from, it, okay. from film, from real life. I, I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm going to, I got a lot, but I'm <laughs> what comes to my mind, because this is the one villain I despised. I've never hated someone so much on screen. And every time I talk about movies and I talk about villains, I always bring him up. Yeah. Remember Walking Phoenix and Gladiator? Yes. Ooh, uh, I didn't want to see even the actor's face for years later. Yeah. I was like, no, he did this to Russell Crowe. Like, <laughs> I'm going to say him. I and yet I'm sh- I have sus- suspect that there are other Joaquin Phoenix roles that you do enjoy now. Oh, girl. Yes. <laughs> Joker is everything. Yeah. I haven't cried in a a uh, comic book movie. I, I still call it comic book movie. Joker, yeah. But I've never cried in any of them uh, yeah. until that one. So you've forgiven Joaquin like, now. Oof. You've come yeah. full oh, circle. Yeah. Okay, okay. Gotta get back to these questions. Okay. What was your favorite TV series when you were nine years old? <gasps> favorite TV series when I was nine years old. Yeah. I, oh, it's a tough one. I really, really loved, even though it was dubbed in Spanish, I loved Goosebumps growing up. Oh. Loved Goosebumps. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. That tracks. Yeah. That tracks. Loved yeah. Goosebumps and and Chavo del Ocho, which is a Mexican show. But don't worry about that one. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. You, what was your favorite movie when you were nine? When I was nine? Oh, My I daughter loved... is nine. That's why these are very specific yeah. questions. No, no, for sure. <laughs> I love Child's Play too. Because I remember at eight years old, I saw it and I was obsessed. Yeah, girl. Yes, I was eight because um, 
I rebelled and I took. <laughs> I, I oh, you surprised me. Totally surprised. Yeah, I borrowed the VHS tape at Blockbuster of. Okay, when I say borrow, I, I actually stole it. But, <gasps> but Mexicans, we don't steal, you see. We borrow for a long time. Yeah. So. <laughs> so I borrowed for a long time the VHS. You relocated it. You relocated it. Yeah, yeah. So I totally went against my mom because she she would not allow me to see horror movies. That's and that was the first horror movie I saw. So I remember for for a couple of years I was obsessed. Uh, and it, and, and I know it was that age. Created <laughs> you, you know. If you hadn't seen that film, if you hadn't borrowed it, borrowed. Uh-huh. Uh, who knows if you would be the human being that you are today. Okay. Exactly. What is your favorite hot beverage? My favorite hot be- beverage? Oh, I, hmm. And you mean hot by warmth, not spicy? Because it could go both ways. I mean warm, but let's go with spice. Spicy, yeah. Because yeah. that's, that's micheladas, dude. That's yeah. the Mexican version of a Caesar or a Bloody <gasps> Mary. Tell me mm-hmm. more. Tell me more. Girl, let me bring you to the dark side. Okay. I love Hold Caesars. Hold on to your butts. Yeah. So basically, it's uh, Clamato. Mm-hmm. Bunch of delicious hot sauces. A lot of lime. On the glass, you got the rim of uh, chili powder, tahin. And it's half of that with beer. So it's... it's Whoa! Yes. It's mind-blowing. So it's basically a Caesar. Instead of the vodka, it's beer. Um, oh, the best! Definitely go to Mexico. Order a michelada. A michelada, Ooh. and it's more than one hot sauce. It's a selection. yeah. It's like a couple. It's like Valentina, Buffalo, Tabasco. I like love Valentina. Tapatio. You put a lot okay. of delicious stuff. Um, I mean, I'm not happy lot, until my mouth is burning, and mm-hmm. I I will continue to drink or eat whatever it is. You know, and put more hot sauce on to chase that feeling. Like I get the full endorphin rush. Till yeah, I feel too. pain. I love that pain too. Yeah. I'm going to make you a Michelada one day. Okay. okay. I'll bring yeah. the hot Cheetos. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> All right. I got one more question from my daughter. Yes. What is your favorite animal? Oh, my favorite animal? I, I know this answer has always been a cheetah. Really? For some reason. I just love cheetahs growing up. I, I will never forget. I would always draw the one shot of a cheetah from Lion King when all the animals are I'm not kidding. Like I always was like that one's the coolest and it wasn't in the movie. I would always say that as a kid. But cheetahs to me are just uh, oh they're so fierce. Yeah. Fast fierce and they get the job done. I would always say growing up. Just like yeah. you. Um, as somebody who follows you on the socials though, I'm a, I'm a little surprised you didn't say dogs because oh, you have truth. a really cute dog. Nacho, he is the best. I'm a fan. <laughs> he is yeah. the best. We went through at least 10 names until Nacho was, was perfect for him. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> does Nacho have a, have his or her? I'm not sure about the gender, um, but have their own social media account oh yeah oh nacho i'm not following terror. nacho i need to follow nacho Ooh, nacho terror <laughs> and he's like the nicest looking dog well yeah honestly this was amazing this was long overdue Gigi, saw guerrero where hey. can people find you and follow you on the social media of course no everyone can find me uh at 
horror, guerrero. I'm, I'm like that everywhere, even TikTok, but my TikToks are scary in the sense of they're ridiculous. They're so, <laughs> so they're ridiculous. They're not scary. I love no. them. I love getting to know your family. I love yeah. your dad. I love your sister. I haven't seen your mom in them though. Has your mom done any of the videos? She, she hides. She hides, but I do, I do, I do sometimes <laughs> film her. Actually, I film her all the time when we watch a scary movie. I yeah. film her all the time on my Instagram stories because she, oh, okay. ah, like it. <laughs> so, so people have definitely seen her. But yeah, uh, at Horror Guerrero everywhere, and also um, at Luchagor. Yeah. You can find you can find us everywhere making cool gory stuff. Yes. And tons of tons of stuff. I think, you know, coming out of the pandemic, I can't quite say yet, but I have some some really big cool announcements coming up and and I'm so excited. Yes. We got to make we got to make more stuff. So yes. we got cool cool things in the future for sure. So excited. Well, thank, thank you for you. for being here, well, thank at your own so house. Much. Thank you for being at your own house today. Uh, and you continue to keep us posted right you'll come back again oh please have me back you were awesome yeah next time in person with the drinks with the food with the dog yeah okay perfect with the dog too yes (laughs) we'll bring joel too he can be there Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Thank you, Gigi. Thank you to our listeners. You can find more than 90 additional episodes of the YVRS Green Scene podcast on Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to podcasts. You can keep in touch with us on the socials at YVRS Green Scene and by email, that old tech at sabrina at yvrsgreenscene.com. I appreciate you all very, very much. Be epic. This ad begins with a story about an important but largely forgotten piece of Hollywood North history, the fish flight. In the 1980s, the fish flight was an early morning flight from Vancouver that delivered fresh fish to Los Angeles before the start of the business day. These were the early days of Hollywood North before digital deliveries and fast transfer speeds, and the pioneers of the Vancouver film industry began loading up the fish flight with film reels so Hollywood execs could review the footage shot on the previous day. The fish flight was also one of the building blocks of the visual effects and animation mecca that is present-day Vancouver. And Fish Flight Entertainment builds on this legacy. Fish Flight Entertainment serves the games, film, and television industries. We remember the days of the fish flight and attack our projects with the same passion as those pioneering days of yore. We believe in jumping off the cliff and building our wings on the way down. And who knows? That old fish with improvised wings may even fly. Learn more about Fish Flight Entertainment at fishflightentertainment.com. That's fishflightentertainment.com. <laughs>